there's a team of women around him. There's like six women, including the women that told me it wasn't possible for me at this point to have a vaginal birth. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm totally going to prove you wrong. I'm Cynthia Overgaard, owner of Hypnobirthing of Connecticut, childbirth advocate, and postpartum support specialist. And I'm Trisha Ludwig, certified nurse midwife and international board-certified lactation consultant. And this is the Down to Birth podcast. Childbirth is something we're made to do, but how do we have our safest and most satisfying experience in today's medical culture? Let's dispel the myths and get down to birth. In the United States, approximately 90% of mothers with twins give birth by C-section, the majority of which are scheduled. Katie Novak is a travel blogger who never planned on having children. Suddenly, she and her husband of 13 years discovered they were not only pregnant, but with twins. They felt a strong desire to bring their babies into the world vaginally and discovered pretty much until the moment the babies came out that this would be no easy feat. Katie's here with us today, just four weeks postpartum, to tell us what happens when your intuition speaks louder than hospital staff and how hiring the right provider can make all the difference. My name is Katie Novak, and I am a lifestyle blogger. I live in Los Angeles, particularly Beverly Hills. I went to school out here, met my husband out here, and my husband and I were never really in the market to have children. We're big time travelers. In fact, you know, I've been doing writing and um, blogging about travels for about two years. So in September, when we found out we were pregnant, we were just surprised, elated, but kind of filled with mixed emotions of, oh my God, like we didn't, we weren't really trying to have kids, to be honest. We've been married for three years, but I'm 36 now. And we met when we were in our early twenties at school. And then actually when I went to the sonographer for my first visit, when they found out I was pregnant, the woman who was there, the sonographer was like, oh my God, I, I, I swear you have two, two babies. And I'm like, how? Because twins don't really run in my family and, um, and neither in his family. But I have heard, and I'm sure you guys can attest to this, that as you get older, you know, your, your egg count becomes more fertile, apparently. Mm-hmm. So basically, I think what, was ha- what had happened is that two eggs had dropped at once. Mm-hmm. And that's how my twins came to be. So uh, we found out there were two sacks and that I was having twins. And we were like, oh, my God, how is this happening? You know, um, pregnancy was pretty much amazing. Second trimester, I traveled a ton. I went everywhere. Even before the pandemic came in, we were in Asia in January and all like just traveled domestically. And then uh, when obviously when COVID hit in March, we have been staying put. And like I said, like towards the end, I just felt very huge and very much contained in my own body and very much like, oh my God, I got to get these kids out. Tuesday, June 9th, I was called to go in for an induction at the hospital at midnight. My dad drops us off. We check in. I hadn't really spoken to anyone about this, but for some reason, I thought that I wasn't going to be induced till the morning because I had asked my OB, why am I checking in at midnight? And um, he was like, oh, you know, it's insurance purposes or something. So what? Yeah, checked in at midnight and I was like, 
Trisha, that so doesn't they, make any sense, it, right? It, it, I think it's because if you check in at midnight, you're now on the next day and it gives you the maximum amount of time maybe for insurance purposes. Why not let her purposes. sleep through the night and come in well, in the they're morning? they're assuming that, yeah, I mean, that would be the wiser let thing to do for, for your body. Ugh. I know, I know. So that was, well, the, the, when the pandemic hit, Uh, My husband and I were optioning home births ourselves. They were allowing husbands in delivery, but not in postpartum. And that really upset us because he wanted to be there. And I've heard stories of women, um, you know, being by themselves for five days in the hospital. And I was like, I don't really want to go through that. So during the time we optioned home births and I had found a doctor this is before I switched OBs. I found a doctor who wanted to do, who was like, yeah, I could do a home birth. But with twins, I was like, ah, more high risk. I don't really know of home births with twins um, or even option water birth because I really wanted to do that. But again, with twins, I wasn't sure of like the high risk situation and what to expect. I don't know. So, um, so we spoke to the guy who wanted to do the home birth and he's like, look, if you're, if, if you're going to do this, do it. But if you're not, there's a great OB at your hospital who does, who specializes in vaginal breach delivery or twin natural delivery, because obviously I did have a natural delivery um, with twins and everybody I tell that to is like, how did you do that? How, like most doctors around the country, I don't know if you guys know this, right. but most doctors, if you twins or want to jump right into C-sections because yes. it's, yeah, yeah, this is why we were so excited to hear your story. Yes. I mean, I, I everyone I've spoken to couldn't believe that my doctor did this or um, just at least gave me the option so when the doctor recommended my OB, it recommended this gentleman, he was like, you have to go see him. So at 32 weeks, I changed OBs. I interviewed this doctor who's a little bit older. He just has been at this, the hospital for a while. He's kind of an institution there. He's been operating since the seventies and he had a lot more experience. Like my, my original OB was a wonderful man and it was nothing against him. It's just a lot of these new doctors I'm finding that are coming out have no idea about natural delivery or they would rather just, you know, like we talk about, go straight to a C-section. They often say the older OBs, like the 70-year-old OB, might actually be more supportive of a natural birth because when they were in obstetric school, they still pursued a vaginal birth, at least a trial of labor. And now more and more, if not exclusively obstetricians oh multiples schedule your c-section right and right even if you have a c-section it doesn't have to be scheduled so it's interesting that you came to that because we've heard that before in many cases the younger ones have never even seen it done but they wouldn't even have had any experience at all and and you guys talk about you know you if you specialize in hypnobirthing so i read that book and i did a hypnobirthing class and uh, it talks a lot about that particularly how the woman who founded it or whatever when she speaks around the country that a lot of the doctors coming out of the medical schools now aren't really you know strong in in no understanding natural deliveries or breach delivery or any of that it's like that's all they've learned in medical school and it's kind of sad actually because it's kind of like honestly like it's like a dying art 
what my OB did in the delivery room to me was a form of art because there's so much more passion involved. So here we are. I switched OBs at 32 weeks to go to this new guy named Dr. Barry Brock out of Cedars. You know, I had a few appointments with him. It was amazing that even at 32 weeks, because I have heard that some doctors won't take you that late in the third trimester. It's, you know, and I was like, well, I want my dream birth. And I found out that both of my twins were, vert- well, one was Vertex and the other one was Breach. So what what the OB, uh, what Dr. Brock had told me was, look, the first one uh, can be Vertex. He's like, hey, the first one, I don't care if it's Vertex or Breach, I'll get it out. It's the second one you always worry about. Well, that's interesting. Am I hearing you right? He said it doesn't matter if their first one is Vertex or Breach. Right. I've always heard the opposite as long as baby A is head down. Uh, they kind of make way for baby B and create all this space for baby B. So he said he would attend your delivery of baby A if baby A is breached. Yeah, he didn't care. He would gut it out. Yeah, he's that's, like, I don't, I know, special. I know. He's, okay. he's, he, he, wow. he, basically, he could get it out either breach or vertex is what he said. And I was like, oh my God, you know, and then my girlfriend's a nurse in Florida where I'm originally from. And she was like, your doctor does breach delivery. That's so unheard of. Like, we don't even do that at our hospital. And so I was like, yeah, he claims he had so much confidence, all this. So I'm going, man, I really picked it. At that point when he had that, like exuding that confidence, I was like, I know I picked the right doctor. When I went into the hospital, obviously I, they started inducing me right away. Uh, my So, and this was full term 38 weeks. So at, uh, I check in the hospital. The first thing they start to do is do that vaginal balloon insert. The Foley balloon. Yeah. Which to me is really uncomfortable as I'm sure you guys have known it's and and right so um so I had the vaginal balloon and um right away right after that I had decided to get the epidural a little earlier just because I was I had heard about Pitocin and and I just Normally I can handle, I have a pretty good pain threshold, but with this, I was just already going in with nerves and so much going on. So, and then after the epidural kicked in, that's when they were administering the Pitocin and that had kicked me in um, gear to about five centimeters all the way through Tuesday morning into Wednesday morning, Wednesday night, around six o'clock. I was still only dilated until five centimeters. So um, cut to Wednesday at about six o'clock. At this point, mind you, as you know, when you're induced, you can't eat anything in in case of a C-section. So we're cutting to Wednesday night at six o'clock. So I'm already kind of starting to get kind of like tired and, uh, you know, I haven't eaten. I'm, I'm surviving on ice chips and pretty much drugs, so to speak, right, from the hospital. So so then they kicked up the Pitocin and I started to dilate more, which was good. I think I got me to about eight centimeters before midnight. And then finally at three o'clock in the morning, of course, just as I'm like exhausted from like everything happening and at three o'clock in the, or two o'clock in the morning, they broke my water. And three o'clock in the morning, my doctor comes in and my OB and he's like, yeah, you're fully dilated. Let's go push. But at this point, I'm like, oh my God, it's three o'clock in the morning, almost Thursday. It's been 24 hours since I've eaten anything. How am I going to muster up the energy to actually go push at this point? I haven't really had even any liquids, you know, except ice chips. Here they're wheeling me into the OR and this is about three o'clock in the morning. I was fully dilated 
wheeled me into the OR and I started pushing for, I would say mm, 20 minutes, nothing was happening. Nothing was coming down. And I was just like, oh, I'm pushing as hard as I can, but sometimes I understand these things happen. So an hour passes. And then at this point, like you can see people start to leave the room and there's only a few select people still there. Cause they're like, oh my God, they probably thought she's totally not going to have the energy right now to push. Let's try again in the morning, which is what happened. So at this point it was like five o'clock in the morning on a Thursday and they wheel me back to the room. Okay. And they, and by this time the epidural had worn off. So like my contractions were severely crazy and I could really feel them at this point. Right. So I'm like, um, and the, the, then at this point it was this change of staff again, the, these nurses come in. Uh, so this is where it gets kind of crazy with everything. So the nurses, the new nursing staff comes in in the morning and they're like, look, uh, we need to practice pushing because, you know, and I was like, okay, but if I, in my head, I'm thinking if I practice pushing here, how am I going to have the energy to push it when I actually need it? She even puts a bar up and I'm like doing different positions and I'm like, oh my God, like I'm, I just, I want to get these kids out at this point. So 30, are you at 36 hours? Yeah. Yeah. At this point, 36 hours already. So, um, the head of the nurses OB department comes in and says to me, look, like we have to be honest with you. You haven't, um, the kids are still, they're not coming down the birth canal. It's getting kind of dangerous to have you be fully dilated. And so now there are two women in there. They're the woman who, from the nursing staff who's been helping me push. And then the head of the OB de like department at Cedars and she basically said, look, you have two options. We can try to keep pushing, but we do have to let you know that if nothing comes out soon, you need to be ready to have a C-section. And my mind was blown at this point because it's like, I've been laboring for 36 hours. Here I switched OBs at 32 weeks, especially, you know, I found this guy, did the research on him because this is what I specifically wanted for my birth. And now you're telling me that my only option is might have to be a C-section. This is BS pretty much. And so at this point, I'm completely exhausted. We do a few more pushes. And then she's like, I'm so sorry, we're going to have to have a C-section. And I'm going, I look at my husband. We both like pretty much had tears in our eyes because I'm like, you can see like my, uh, my dream birth flying out the window. And I said, look, at this point, I'm exhausted. I haven't eaten in 48 hours. I have no energy. We need to just option and do the C-section because I, I want, ultimately, I want the kids out healthy, you know? So, um, Did they give you what we call a medical indication for the C-section? What was their rationale for telling you you needed a C-section? I can guess. Failure to progress. Yeah, it's interesting because that's not really a medical indication, right? If the heart rate is fine, if your blood pressure is fine, they're not seeing the presence of meconium, that's not a medical indication. So it's, it's so interesting how, and then they had you so tired, they were depriving you of food despite the research that fully supports that birthing women need food and must have food and water and, and hydration. And there you are, and you still, you still had it in you to say, you wanted to keep going? <laughs> yes. I'm just, I'm just like, I'm wanting to jump out of my seat right now being like, just, just eat something, just eat something, just eat something. Other than ice chips, other than ice chips, please give yes. me something. Uh. 
it's so painful to hear that you were put in that situation and they brought you in at midnight to begin with and you right. still said you still said you had more to keep going what happened next down to birth is sponsored by postpartum soothe recovering from a vaginal birth takes many women by surprise everyday activities like sitting walking and going to the bathroom can be uncomfortable and postpartum soothe is just the remedy to support your healing and relieve discomfort postpartum soothe is a 100% organic herbal blend that's applied to maternity pads in the days immediately following your birth, giving you all the benefits of a sitz bath 24-7. That's because herbs like comfrey leaf, uva ursi, and witch hazel are known for their antimicrobial and anti-inflammatory properties. Postpartum Soothe can be prepared anytime during the third trimester, and it makes a beautiful baby gift. It's a must for any woman seeking a faster, easier recovery from a vaginal birth. Visit postpartumsoothe.com. That's postpartum soothe, S-O-O-T-H-E dot com and use promo code down to birth. So next, um, so I, I said, okay, if that's what we have to do, I kind of have to surrender because I want my kids out healthy. And at the time I didn't register to me because granted I was so exhausted and drained at this point. It didn't register to me to think and say, you're not my OB. I don't really want to listen to anyone else but my OB. That's who I'm, I'm here for. That's who I want the advice from. I don't want an advice from a nurse. I don't want an advice from this guy that I have specifically, you know, told me that he can do that. She says to me, and your doctor is in a conference right now and might not be able to make the first half of your C-section. And I'm going, are you joking? Like, what are my options right now? You know? So that is the question. So ultimately I was so irate and livid at this point. I'm going, I, I can't believe I wasted all this time laboring when I could have just said schedule the C-section. Mm-hmm. So I'm going through all this emotional turmoil and, and, and what have you cut to five. So there's, they start to prep me for a C-section. They start rubbing me down with that water and then they give you this grape shot and I'm going, okay, I've already like even text my parents and my girlfriends like I'm not really the kids aren't coming out. I'm not getting my dream birth. But at this point, I just want them out healthy. I don't even care. Cut to five minutes later. This is where like the silver lining has just like come through the darkest of clouds. My OB comes running into the room and puts his it just like kneels over me and is like, are you okay? And I'm like, not really. I go, I'm kind of upset. I go, I'm really upset. I go, I specifically searched out to change OBs for you late in my pregnancy. I go, I, and then now they're telling me I have to have a C-section when I could have just scheduled that as opposed to laboring for 36 plus hours and, you know, being drained of all my energy and food and all of these resources. And now you're telling me I have to have a C-section and that wasn't in my birth plan at all. So then cut to after he says, hold on a minute. He does a quick pelvic exam on me right then and there. And he's like, she doesn't need a C-section. She's positive three with her birth, with the birth process, which I guess is like, right. It's like zeros at your, at your pelvis. And then positive three means like you're ready to push. Yeah. So, so cut two. So he's like, let's go, let's go push. So I'm like, Oh my God. So here in my head, I'm thinking we went from 
thinking of my dream birth plan to then switching to a C-section. Now, all of a sudden, we can go push to have my dream birth plan again. So we've already cried out the fact that I'm probably going to have a C-section. Now back to, oh, my God, there's a beacon of hope that I can have um, my birth, the birth I want. So I look at my husband and I'm like, I am going to push the hardest ever. Like, I want to have this natural birth. I'm like so set on it. They wheel me to the OR. I, I go in there and there's like all these people, which I get like if I, a lot more, let's just put it than it was at the 3 a.m. pushing a team of women around him. There's like six women, including the women that told me it wasn't possible for me at this point to have a vaginal birth. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm totally going to prove you wrong. And then they have the team in the background ready and all of the women were actually turned out to be amazing and cheering me on. I pushed as hard as I could. I pushed and 20 minutes later, my first uh, child Forrest was born seven and a half pounds. It was awesome. I cried. I mean, I cried specifically because it was just such a, to get to that moment, I felt like I was an Olympian who's trained for the Olympic and got gold kind of I know that sounds crazy but you did just from everything I went through and and from and and from to having the obstacles that I overcame to getting to that point and at this point like you can see I'm pretty pale because of no energy still or no nothing no sustenance in my body at this point so for so my first uh, boy came out 20 minutes later And then I labored for another 12 minutes, which apparently a lot of my friends who are a set of twins are like 12 minutes between uh, twins is pretty, is a long time to labor. And then 12 minutes after that, um, Gabriel, my second kid was born at eight pounds, one ounce. Eight, those are great sizes. Yeah, so I was carrying like- Were they both head down? Uh, one was, uh, the first one was vertex. The second one was breach. Oh, so he supported you through a breach vaginal. Yeah. And I just, and I, yeah, he did. He did everything. It was like what had become more of a nightmare had turned into like my fantasy. I know that like over, like in the matter of an, like 20 minutes, all the emotion, the emotional roller coaster I, I went on and it was, it was pretty surreal. And at this point, yeah. I was like, I could have had a C-section or 20 minutes later, push out my first kid. Like I, the fact that C-section was even an option. I was and like- it wasn't necessary. You now it see it was never necessary. Never. It's provider, provider, provider. And this is a perfect example of how much power the provider has. I mean, you're the only one giving birth. You're the only one delivering your babies. But look at how easily this was almost a completely different story in your life and in your son's lives. And, you know, we always say there are three things that determine the outcome of a birth. One is the provider. Two is the mother and her physiology, her, what, it, what she's saying and doing. And three, the position of the babies. You didn't have the position of the babies in your favor. And look at the power of the other two things. So they don't all have to be going for you necessarily. But no. between you and having the right person in the room, you change the whole outcome. I know, I and, know. And and the trust you had in yourself, the trust right. you had in yourself in that moment to be like, to stand up to the head of the OB department of the entire hospital and be like, this is not how I want my birth to go. 
Exactly. Because, I, I mean, after after almost 48 hours of labor, I, I think it, you know, almost any woman would be like, you're right, you know. Right. Do you're just, right. Done, you're just so you, exhausted and you're so fatigued. Yeah, you're like so depleted. Of you're just like, I, how am I even going to have the energy to push at this point? But it's truly like a heroic story. And to think of how much, how much empowerment you gained from this experience versus had you sort of surrendered to the decision of the head of the OB department, how different your, the rest of your, the way you looked at your uh, journey into motherhood and your birth experience for the rest of your life would have been altered. Oh my God. I know. And I, I, coming out of like just recovery postpartum and thinking about things that would, I'm I'm happy. I'm obviously elated that I got, I ended up getting my dream birth, but to get there was such a, a, a roller coaster. And it is all about the provider. And really, if you want to have your dream birth, you have to do the research on it because, and you know, look, a lot of women are just like, I don't want to deal with that. I want to, I, I have a girlfriend who's pregnant right now who actually is using my old OB because she had a C-section already. I mean, that's, this guy also does that. He also, the guy who delivered my kids, the doctor, um, if you had a C-section for, uh, before and you wanted a natural delivery, he'll do that too. Because I know a lot of doctors won't, if you already have a C-section, they're not going to do natural, mm-hmm. right? It's like, they'll always mm-hmm. just do C-section. But this guy, I had a nurse in my postpartum recovery room say, oh, I had a C-section for my first kid, but I'm actually using your doctor because he's willing to do a natural delivery. Although I had a C-section for my first child. I love this guy. We need to meet him. And you know, he, I mean, the fact is, is he all, to be honest, when they told me he was in a conference and all of this, I'm thinking, why this just does all didn't add up to me. And it just made me feel like, what is this? Why would she be giving me advice on something that's I'm supposed to be just discussing and listening to my OB about? Why would you be telling me, well, you're not going to be able to do this. And it's like, you're not a doctor. So you almost get the feeling while he was out of the way they were going to jump in there and intervene when he wasn't aware of what they were doing is, do you think that was what was happening? Was he aware that they were putting that pressure on you? You don't know. He claims that the woman went up to where he was having his conference at. I use quotations on that because I'm like, where are you having a conference? <laughs> and, um, and he claims that she went up to the room and said that I wanted a C-section. No, but you never know. No. Yeah, that I would, I had like resorted to a C-section because I was too tired. It was just the babies weren't coming down and all of this. Are you saying they were telling you you needed to have a C-section and they were presumably telling him you requested one? Mm-hmm. Yes. That is unbelievable. I know. That's, and I was that just is, like. That's, yeah, I would, I would love to have heard the conversation between the two of them after your birth. <laughs> Katie, what are you really proud of? I'm really proud that I didn't listen to the system, <laughs> so to speak. And I, and I just felt, I believed in my gut and I knew what I wanted. And I knew that I, I, the road to get there was a difficult, but I'm really glad I stuck with my intuition because honestly, I run into moms with twins now, or just people want, you know, listening to my story and they just are like, wow, you, I can't believe you had twins vaginally. That's like so unheard of. 
literally, I think about it. If one baby was eight pounds, the other one was seven and a half. I mean, I was probably including the placentas carrying about 20 extra pounds. And that, you know, even through my pregnancy, I traveled, I wasn't afraid to do certain things and how healthy the boys came out and how they are now. And like, postpartum. I'm breastfeeding, mixing in with formula. It's hard for me to breastfeed both, but they're both doing amazingly well. And just the experience of labor in general was so just like, it seems like a blur now, but in the, in the moment you, you reflect and you're like, God, what did I go through? What you said about being proud of yourself for not becoming, you know, part of the system is so you know, you hit the nail on the head because your birth story is remarkable. And your birth story, if had, it had just been one baby, would still have been impressive to have a vaginal birth after that long and after having been fully dilated for that long. But to have done it with twins and one twin who was breech is sort of like out of this world, incredible story. Katie, can you speculate? You know, you're almost a month out, right? Tomorrow marks one month since you gave birth. Yes. I mean, I'm sure you recognize now that like a woman rethinks and processes her birth story thousands of times in her life. You've probably already done so hundreds of times, told the story, thought about it 20 hours out of 24 hours a day. (laughs) Can you speculate as to what, how you might be feeling differently had your birth gone the other way? Because... How a woman feels postpartum is so important, and I don't think it's given enough um, attention. Attention. I don't think it's given. I don't think it's taken seriously enough. And mm. can you imagine that your postpartum experience would be different had it gone otherwise? Oh yeah, I feel my postpartum. If 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 I had a C-section, my postpartum would probably be a lot worse. Only knowing what I know now. And we've always speculated, my husband and I, about the um, the healthcare industry or the, you know, just doctors in general, everything that was told to us and what I learned through hypnobirthing and what I learned through um, being able to find a doctor who understood that I wanted a natural delivery. And I mean, I think if, if I didn't, if I had the C-section, I probably we would be I'd be happy that they'd be out and that they were healthy, but I would also sort of not have a little bit of resentment maybe kind of flowing. I mean, how could you not, right? It's like you would live with the fact of like, yeah, I almost had my dream birth or I almost did it, but you know what? Uh, my cervix didn't work the way it was supposed to. So this is how they came out, but don't, but you know, but Instead, it was like, no, I was a warrior. I like pushed those babies out and I was told, you know, I was misinformed on information that could have altered, you know, the way I delivered. It's, it's okay for a woman not to have her dream birth. What's not okay is for her to not have her dream birth and not be at peace with how necessary it was to go to a different birth plan. Right. And we can right. all, we can all be really happy for a C-section. We can all be grateful for the utmost intervention, but we have to believe it was in our best interest and the best interest of, of our babies. And in your case, you didn't have that conviction. Yeah, it was almost like a cloudy, it was a cloudy explanation. I would have been going back in my head and thinking, 
what did they need? Like, why didn't I listen to my doctor? That would have been the number one question. Why did I listen to this woman who's, you know, part of the hospital, you know, maybe she has experience, but she still wasn't my OB and not even that. Um, she wasn't you, the mother. Yeah, exactly. Your intuition was so much stronger than anybody else's opinion. Right. And merely telling me that I would need a C-section is because they weren't coming down my birth canal fast. And I'm like, I've never heard of this, but like, you know, when you're in that state of like, oh my God, I'm so exhausted. And you're laying these, all these questions and, and throwing this information at me and I'm trying to register it, but I'm also, you know, completely exhausted. So what do I have left to do? What do I have left to think about or, or, you know, let's just get it done. I, I say this, but it's like my husband's look in his eyes was like, I cannot believe we're going through this. I was just thinking of him because it's not an easy position for that birth partner, that birth companion to be there and to hear the medical staff saying one thing and then the birthing mother saying another thing. And he was really connected with you, really on the same page with you, despite, you know, in the face of this long birth, and all these reasons to feel like stopping. It sounds like he was completely sold on your perspective, completely in it with you. I mean, is that how you felt or did he yeah. feel conflicted? No, he, I mean, I mean, this reverts back to a couple of years ago, but um, a, a few years ago I had, it's a similar situation, not with pregnancy, but I had a herniated disc. Okay. And we, every doctor in town wanted to do immediate spinal fusion on my back. So we had, and I'm thinking, you know, why do I like spinal fusion? We, as we did the research more and more about it, it was, it, this reminded me of the C-section thing. Well, we found a doctor in town that didn't do spinal fusion was like, you just need physical therapy. You don't need to go under the knife for this. This is something that can be done naturally. And so with that experience in mind, that's when we were like, why is everyone mm-hmm. telling us we need a C-section when you can do this naturally? And then that's why those two, we've had experience with the doctors telling us one thing and knowing another side of the story and going, well, wow, because here I am with a herniated disc, having twins with that, you know, on uh, thinking about my back. And, um, and I, I lived through my herniation without spinal fusion. And now I live through, you know, a vaginal birth with twins without having a C-section. And it's just not going under the knife. Um, and looking back now, I'm like, God, I wouldn't have wanted it any other way than than the way I had it, you know? And I'm just glad that the doctor just came in at the right time and things just worked out the way they were supposed to. When you reflect on it and you're just like, I can't believe I lived through that, the boys lived through that, and how we are now, I'm just, it's, it's, it's magical. If you enjoyed our podcast, please take a moment to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and share a favorite episode or two. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Down to Birth Show or contact us and review show notes at downtoberthshow.com. Please remember this information is made available to you for educational and informational purposes only. It is in no way a substitute for medical advice. For our full disclaimer, visit downtoberthshow.com slash disclaimer. Thanks for tuning in. And as always, hear everyone and listen to yourself. You look so relaxed and happy telling your story. Oh, thank you. Thank you. And it's, uh, I mean, like I said, it's just, it's nice to relive because, you know, sometimes you think and you're just like, wow, what, what a, what a unique experience, but 
I don't think it would have been as telling or as maybe passionate for me if actually those obstacles weren't presented to me. Yeah, because you overcame right, them. Absolutely. Right. It's the overcoming. 